It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be official partner of the NFL. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with the other host of the Locked On Bengals podcast, James Rapine, the woo advocate that's your new that's your new nickname for me, James. You're the woo advocate. Today we're going to talk <laughs> about the Cincinnati Bengals' tendency to run the ball on second and long. This is a narrative that stirred up a little bit after week one and, and really has persisted longer than the evidence aligns with. And so we're going to get into those numbers today. We're also going to get into a few small but not insignificant news notes and then... It's the Mailbag Day, James, and my favorite episode of the week where we take your questions on Twitter and answer them. And this week, we get to dedicate two whole segments to it, so very excited for that coming your way on today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. But James, let's get started, as always, with the Cincinnati Bengals news notes of the day. While the Bengals players didn't practice today, it's a big news day for the Bengals, who will have more fans in Paul Brown Stadium for the foreseeable future, hosted a defensive tackle for a visit, and we're going to put to bed the narrative that Zach Taylor runs the ball too much on second and long. This is your Locked On Bengals lead story. I'm Jake Lisko along with James Rapine. Let's get started with the big news for Cincinnati Bengals fans that live in Cincinnati or in the vicinity or they're willing to travel. More of you will be allowed to attend games in person to see Joe Burrow play football in his rookie year as the state of Ohio informed the Bengals that 12,000 fans will be allowed in attendance for the rest of their six home games this year. That's very exciting news. Meanwhile, the Bengals hosted for a visit veteran defensive tackle Xavier Williams as they are not expecting to get Mike Daniels back anytime soon. This is expected. They should be in the market for a defensive tackle. And it's it's crazy, Jake, because as many times as they've added to this line, you know, over the past couple of months here from trading for Christian Covington right before the, the final roster cut down to signing Mike Daniels. It hasn't been enough. And with Geno Atkins still hobbled, and we'll see if he plays this week, Mike Daniels on IR, this is a no-brainer. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Xavier Williams is signed. If the visit goes well, wouldn't be shocked at all if he's signed this week. Feels like every week they're relying on practice squad call-ups at the defensive interior from Freedom Akeem Oladun to Khalil McKenzie. They even signed onto their roster Amani Bledsoe. And it would make total sense, as you said, James, for them to bring another body in for depth at the very least, if not 
to be a contributor. He has had some good years, according to Pro Football Focus. He played on Kansas City Super Bowl team just last year. So some good experience there. He was with New England this year. And as a depth signing at this point, they just need somebody who knows how to play football. James, let's transition to the narrative that the Bengals run the ball too much on second and long. Off the top of your head, James, do you think that this is still a problem for Zach Taylor? And if you don't, when do you think it got better? I wouldn't say it's necessarily a problem, but anytime it happens, it's like, oh, second and long. So I remember one from Sunday. It was the first drive of the game. And and, and that might have been the only one, but that one stuck out to me. And, and that's just kind of the reality of it with these second and longs. But uh, on Sunday, no, I didn't notice it a lot. And they had so much success on offense, really, for most of the day, um, outside of a, a couple possessions, obviously the one punt. So, no, I, I didn't really notice it Sunday. But when it happens, I think we're all kind of paying attention. And then everyone moans and groans about second and long second and long runs. Some very prominent folks in Cincinnati media circles have been talking about and loudly bemoaning the second and long run on Twitter when it does happen. And rightly so. It's a very low success rate kind of play, especially with the Bengals run game in three out of the first four games of the season. But really since week one, when they ran the ball on second and seven or longer eight times, and pass the ball in those same situations only seven times, these numbers have started to come back up to actually be more pass-happy than most of the NFL. Since then, against Cleveland in Week 2 in second and seven or longer, which is 19 plays of the game, they passed the ball 15 times, ran the ball four times. Against Philly in Week 3, 14 pass plays to three rushing plays. And against Jacksonville last week, 12 passing plays to two rushing plays. So they're definitely turning that narrative on its head quickly. When it does happen, it stands out because they started the year with a a very bad split in that situation. The only team, in fact, this year who has run the ball more on second and long because of the Bengals' first game, they're down here with the Jets and the Falcons who are both running the ball more on second and long than the Bengals, and that's it. The teams passing the ball the most in those situations, teams like the Seahawks and the Chiefs. So very good for the Bengals to get up into that territory from a trend perspective. And the key is balance, because I'm not anti-run game. I don't think anybody is. If Joe Mixon gets three touches or three carries on Sunday against the Ravens, we're all going to be upset. But you got to do it the right way. And running on second and 11 is just setting your offense up to fail. And and I, I think we've seen that when they pass on early downs, it's helped them. It's helped their efficiency. They've been much better over the past couple of weeks. And, and I think that will continue. And it set up Joe Mixon over the weekend, right, against the Jaguars. A couple third and ones he takes to the house. That's that's what you want. You want that balance. And, and you want the, the passing game to make life easier on the offense and, and the offensive line to, so they can open up holes for Mixon when it matters most. And they were able to do that on Sunday. And in terms of season-long trends, what's really interesting is that the Bengals have actually been pretty good at running on first down from an efficiency perspective, from an expected points added per play perspective. But weighing them down is still the week one Chargers game where they got themselves into all these third and longs. And it has been better since then, so I do want to stress that. But since you can't just say that game didn't happen, including all four of the Bengals games this year, all four weeks of the season – The Bengals are last in the NFL in EPA per play on third down. And if you think 
when are some of the negative plays happening? Maybe there's some interceptions happening there, some turnovers like the strip sack was a third down play, I believe. Some sacks Joe Burrow took late in overtime against the Eagles were third down plays, and those are going to show up and really contribute to this in a small sample size. But getting to third and manageable and improving efficiency on third down, improving efficiency in the red zone where, again, the Bengals are third to last in the NFL, better in the red zone than only the Giants and the Jets, these are things that will need to get better as the season goes on for this offense. So small sample size caveats always apply to these sorts of things when you're only looking at four weeks. I expect them to get better. Joe Burrow's getting more efficient. The running game looks like it found its footing a little bit against Jacksonville. And against Baltimore in week five, I think we're going to learn a lot more about this team as we get out of the early stages of the season. Coming up next, we take your questions in the Locked On Bengals mailbag. Really my favorite part of the week, James. And that's right around the corner. Yesterday, we told you about Built Bar's Built Go product. Today, we're back to the original James Built Bar, your favorite protein bar with those six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream. Cookies and cream might be my favorite new flavor. I don't know about you, but my favorite kind of milkshake is an Oreo milkshake. And when I can get that in a protein bar form, sign me up. I love every single one of them. 18 amazing flavors. And here's the thing. There's a flavor for everybody and it's going to taste great. So it almost goes without saying. But the best part about Built Bars is it's going to fit your macros because they're extremely low in sugar, high in protein. It's the perfect post-workout, midday snack. If you're working from home or you're at the office and you just need to grab and go, Built Bars are the perfect go-to. So check them out right now. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get $10 off your next order. Again, promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's our favorite time of the week here on the Locked On Bengals podcast, where we get to answer questions from you. Be sure to follow us at Locked On Bengals on Twitter to get your questions in each and every week. Jake, let's start with GetUp6 on Twitter. He asks, maybe my favorite question of the week. How many times did Jake practice the woo? before recording the final version uh a lot of hard work and dedication went into the woo and i need i didn't get as much uh as much feedback as i wanted james i wanted i wanted people to tell me how i did and only a few people did a lot of people were like oh i'm so excited i'm gonna go listen to it and then no one's like man yeah good woo you know (laughs) i i i i need i need a uh Almost um, an inside look at the rehearsal. So you don't have to woo, but give me a little bit of the yeah. rehearsal here. So so the Bengals were winning the game, of course, and, and they were fully in control. Probably about midway through the third quarter was the first time I tweeted, things are trending toward the woo. And uh, I, I got to the end of the game, and I knew exactly what the tweet was going to be if they won. It was going to be all lowercase letters, woo. And so I did. 
And, and I thought it was hilarious, of course, because that's my sense of humor. And uh, I, I here, here's what the process was. I, I found one Ric Flair video. It was four seconds long. And in that video, he wooed. And I watched that video once. I got in front of my microphone. I pressed the record button and I gave it a woo just to make sure that it wasn't going to blow up my microphone. To, to listen to it back, to figure out how I had to control the volume so that it would be okay for our listeners. Figured that out, deleted the original woo, came back in, did another woo, and that was it. That was the process. That's the behind the scenes. All right, so what did that first woo sound like? I want to hear it. Nope, you can't trick me. <laughs> I tried, ladies and gentlemen, I tried. See, nothing gets by Jake Lisko. It just has to be earned, James. That's that's the only thing. It needs to be substantial enough. And, and I do get excited, but it needs to be substantial enough for cuz cuz now it's a thing. And now and now it needs to be earned. If the Bengals beat the Ravens, you got to woo. That would be They're 14 point underdogs. This that, isn't up for debate. Well, it is. Because that's that's how individual freedoms work. But I, I will agree to woo if the Bengals beat the Ravens, if the Bengals beat the Steelers, if Joe Burrow wins Rookie of the Year. The, these are the criteria right now uh, for, for the next woo, just, just so everybody's clear. What about if A.J. Green scores a touchdown? No. Oh, come on. I mean, come on. You can woo that. That would really that, that that's 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 a James woo, I think. But I I woo anyways. I woo right now just because it's Tuesday. I mean, we're different in that way. Tuesday, baby, woo! I mean, I you know, okay, it ain't hard. We've got some football questions here too. The next question we're gonna take comes from Rocky Mountain Hooday, who's gonna send me some hot sauce to try that I'm very excited for. Uh, he asks, "What is the well, minimum?" I want some hot sauce. I want some hot sauce, Rocky Mountain Hooday. Well, I like hot sauce too, Jake. I've outed you, and I'm sorry. And and now you have to give hot sauce to the whole class. He asks, what is the minimum you would take for John Ross or Billy Price in an in-season trade? Well, when you ask questions like that, I better get some hot sauce at the end of this one, Mr. Hooday. Um, for the, the minimum for Ross is let's get him on the field and see if he can help this team first. And the, the trade deadline isn't now, and he doesn't have any value anyways. So I'm not dealing him yet, uh, and I would get him active. As far as Bill, Billy Price, you know, you know, they're really in the same class. You know, it's a, a day three pick. You're probably talking fifth, sixth rounder. So is it more valuable to have Price on the roster as a backup center because you don't have a backup center, or is it more valuable to get that late day three pick same thing with Ross, right? In my eyes, I would much rather have a guy that has the potential to take the top off of a defense instead of just relying on Green, who, as of now, there's a lot of question marks if he's ever going to be a deep threat again. And I don't know if anyone else on this roster can do that. So I would hold just because their stock is low, um, but probably a fifth rounder, a sixth rounder in that range uh, would be what you're looking at, hopefully getting at some point uh, because I, I honestly, I think a fifth is, is too rich for either one of those guys. Uh, if I'm another team looking at, at it, unless it's like a conditional thing with playing time incentives and a bunch of stuff looped in, uh, which obviously that draft pick would probably end up being a sixth or seventh in that case. Yeah, I don't think that other NFL teams, if you look at some of the trades that have happened, like Marcus Peters for a fifth round pick, 
right? Neither of these guys. Yeah, Marcus Peters was like seen as a problem for his team. He was shopped, I think. But, you know, the Bengals would be doing the same thing. Everybody around the NFL knows why, you know, knows why these guys, guys aren't playing right now. I don't think that you would get all that much. I would take a fifth for Ross. I would take a sixth for Price if I were trading them. And I, I do agree with your points. Like if, if I'm the Bengals, I'm trying to get John Ross on the field again. The second he shows enough or anything in practice, given the, the state of the wide receivers and the lack of separation from players not named Tyler Boyd, I would be trying to find a way to get John Ross right. Billy Price, the only reason that I wouldn't just be 100% ready to trade him and I'm mostly ready to trade him anyway is is a point you made that there's nobody else that that has really played center on, mm-hmm. on this team right now. And so you're talking about trying to move Mike Jordan to center or trying to move Hakeem Adeniji to center, and I don't really love either of those options. Let's keep things rolling with Andrew on Twitter asks, what are your first memories as Bengals fans? How about this for a first memory? Andrew says, I remember bits and pieces of 2005, but my first definitive memory was clinching the division against Detroit. What an awesome first memory as a Bengals fan. Yeah, that's a nice one. Like my first specific memory of the Bengals. I, I don't remember what my first specific memory is of the Bengals because it was it was before 2005 for sure, but I, I am struggling to remember anything before 2005. I, I know that the, uh, the the hiring of Marvin Lewis was significant for me because I was I was a I was an early teenager at that point in my life. The Bengals had done nothing for my entire childhood up until that point because I grew up in the 90s. And I was born in 88. So, so all that was meaningless to me. And, and to, to, to illustrate just how meaningless it was to me, when I was growing up, my favorite player was Jerry Rice. And, and Bengals fans hated the 49ers when I was growing up. A lot of you still do. And, and I just had none of that concept. The Bengals were just irrelevant. And then they hired Marvin Lewis, and I was reading about it. And, oh, yeah, the Bengals are getting serious. So I guess that's my first memory of the Bengals. I'm sure I saw them play before that. I, I remember Jeff Blake being around I, I remember you know Shula and Coslet and LeBeau but I don't have specific memories of those things the other one unfortunately is Carson Palmer's knee in the playoffs those are the things that, oh. that really stand out in my memory from that time my first memory and I watched the Bengals before this but this is the one that I know like I can remember where I was at where I was sitting I was watching it with my dad and he was not a diehard Bengals fan at all I kind of made him watch because I was so into sports and it was the Bengals, you know. It, it was in 98, Peyton Manning and the Colts, preseason week three or four. It's a preseason game. I think it's Saturday night on, you know, whatever channel it was on, we, you know, 12 or whatever local channel. And the Bengals played the Colts well, and I was so pissed off that they lost the preseason game. They lost 30 to 27. And no, I don't remember that. I looked it up. But – 30 to 27 in 98 against Peyton freaking Manning. I know Blake hit Darnay Scott for a touchdown. I remember that deep downfield. And I thought they were going to win and they were up at that point. And, and they obviously lost. And I remember my dad being like, well, duh, it's the Bengals. <laughs> and at that point, I hadn't suffered as much because I didn't, I just didn't pay close enough attention. And that was kind of the first time where I was really bummed 
that they lost. And I paid attention really from there on out and started to pay attention to the draft. So, you know, I remember Akili Smith and the excitement around him and, you know, everything from then on, uh, really that 98 preseason game, I really tried to pay attention to and uh, intake in. So that, that's really my my earliest memory that I recall. I know I had watched him before, but that's probably the earliest. You know what? You just jogged my memory. I actually remember Corey Dillon's rushing record in 2000. I, I remember that game against the Broncos. I was at that game with my dad. That's so funny. That's it was like fun. one of like th- three Bengals games growing up that I went to, and that was one of them. Well, we've got a bunch more questions to get to in today's mailbag. There's some insight into the history of James Rapine and myself. We have, we have dated ourselves, James. They, they know how old we are. A closely guarded state secret is out. But we have a lot more questions to get to, like I said, and we'll get back into those in just a minute. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get back to this mailbag. I'm having a lot of fun, James. Are you having fun? That's my question for today's mailbag. Absolutely. I almost wooed. Again? I was going to. I thought about it. I was like, eh. I don't want to play it out too much. I like wooing and man listeners get get tired of me wooing. It's just so cheap for you. Our next question comes from Nick green at and green on Twitter. He asks, who do you think is most deserving of a contract extension on the Bengals right now? And it's not AJ green, James, believe it or not. <laughs> it isn't. Now I can admit that. And it's not John Ross either. I can admit that too. Uh, to me, it's Jesse Bates. And- no question. You can't do it yet. You got to wait till the end, uh, you know, of this season. You can't right. do it until after year three is up. But I think he's in line for one. I look at his age, his lack of injury history, how he's kind of stepped into his own. He's got so many reps for a 23 year old already. Uh, extremely mature, good kid. You know, all of those things. Good human being. This is exactly the kind of guy you want to build around. Uh, in the the type of player. That honestly, I think about Bengal safeties, and I think he's the highest, you know, has the highest ceiling of any Bengal safety, at least in the past two decades. You know, I, I don't want to say since David Fulcher, but maybe, <laughs> which is kind of crazy because you're talking about the '80s now. So he's uh, he's a damn good player, and that that would be uh, that would be my guy. Reggie Nelson was really good too, but he didn't really come from the Bengals. He just kind of broke out with the Bengals. But yeah, I mean, Jesse Bates is is absolutely the answer. I don't know if you follow me on Twitter, Nick Green. Uh, I assume you do. But if you were watching the game and not paying attention to Twitter, which is a totally normal thing to do, you wouldn't have seen me tweet after Jesse Bates made a play in the game, extend Jesse Bates. And uh, I, I absolutely think that's the next guy. The other guy that you propose in your tweet, Carl Lawson or Jesse Bates, those were the two guys that you threw out there. And, and I think that Carl Lawson has put himself in a great position too, that the Bengals are going to be in a tricky spot if he continues to play well this year and he stays healthy because he hasn't stayed healthy throughout his career. And he's been a little inconsistent. But this year he's really putting it together as a pretty complete player along with DJ Reader, really the only guys having much success up there. 
So those two guys are really good suggestions. I'm trying to think on the offensive side of the ball. If there's anybody that I feel like I need to extend right now, and uh, I'm, I'm coming up empty. There's no one. <laughs> because it's either, you know, they got him done in, in Joe Mixon or the verdict that, you know, in Tyler Boyd or the verdict is, you know, still out there or in and it's a negative one, depending on how you view yeah. it with Green and Ross and guys like that. They still have a chance, I think. But yeah, I mean, the only other player would be what, like a special teamer, Clark Harris, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Randy Bullock, Randy Cavs is up there. I mean, like he's he's actually been pretty good since since his calf cramp. I guess it would be Auden Tate. Oh, you yeah. know, but he's still got this year and next year. I mean, if you, I mean, I, I get it. The fan base loves him. He he plays like fifteen to twenty snaps a week that's not enough for an extension yet, you know, like to, to realistically say, all right, let's extend this guy. So th- there really yeah. isn't one. Yeah. That's the kind of guy that you're right. like, I wish I could, I wish I could do like an RFA tender, you know, but, but that's not a <laughs> yeah. thing for draft picks anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that where you, you, you have a little extra control. Let's keep things rolling with Ben Grant. Ben says, I expect coach Anarumo spent a lot of time this off season scheming for Baltimore if he puts Bates, Williams, and Bell on the field at the same time against their 22 personnel, who are his remaining eight? Can he stay in a three-safety package when Baltimore goes to 11 personnel? Well, I, I would wonder what they did last year in those situations, right? Can they keep three safeties on the field? Let's start with that question when Baltimore goes to 11. I don't know. I mean, if one of those safeties is playing a linebacker role, like Sean Williams is just playing in the box, Von Bell is just playing in the box. And, and one of them's watching Lamar. Sure. I, I feel like almost every play we're going to see a spy in, in this game, or we're going to just see, you know, some, some, some zone stuff to keep eyes in the backfield and try to contain him, especially after what he did to them last year. They're sick of seeing that spin move, man. They're all sick of it. The rookies have talked to Akeem Davis Gaither talked about it. So if they're going to keep the three safeties on the field when Baltimore goes to 11, it would be to take one of the places of those rookie linebackers, Akeem Davis Gaither, or Logan Wilson if he's not back. But if they are back, you, you know, I kind of start to wonder how significant is the difference. To the first question, who are the other eight guys against 22 personnel? I feel like we would see five defensive linemen and, and a couple linebackers. Is that – that's not quite eight. Oh, yeah, corners. Five defensive linemen, one linebacker, <laughs> a couple corners. There it is. That, that adds up to eight. Because there you I, go. I, I think he's going to want one extra linebacker on the field for the handoff, you know, like a straight run game. And, and if he keeps, I don't know. I think we'll see two linebackers. I think we'll see a, a traditional, a traditional base defense against 22. That'd be interesting. But here's the reality though, is you need to see, and part of that, what Ben said is, is true. You, three safeties, but they also drafted Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither for a reason. We talked about Davis Gaither and his role and how he could be used against, uh, you know, in a matchup against Lamar. He got beat by Keelan Cole on that crosser last week. But he's got speed. He didn't look like it on that play just because he was a step behind. But he's got speed, and Logan can run. And, and you want to see how these guys stack up. But it's much easier said than done when you're going against a player like Lamar Jackson. You know, I wouldn't want to have to scheme against him and, and prep against him and play against him on Sunday. I did ask Akeem Davis Gaither on Monday, you know, is it overwhelming thinking about playing a, a guy like Lamar? And he kind of laughed me off. 
I would be overwhelmed because he can make you look really damn silly. And I know Davis Gaither saw that spin move that Lamar put on Vigil. He's very aware of it. He said he was sick of seeing it. So we'll see if uh, he can he can make sure he's not a part of any kind of highlight like that this year. That would be the hope. But Ben, I think that's a great question schematically. We'll come back to that one sometime after the game and, and we'll see what Lou Anarumo actually does this weekend because you know, you, you put me on the spot here and I'm trying to think about it. And, you know, I, I think the Baltimore tight ends are a little less scary this year. There's Mark Andrews, certainly, who is fantastic, but outside of that, a little bit less scary. And and obviously the primary concern is is that Baltimore running game. They've they've got that three headed monster over there with JK Dobbins, Lamar Jackson, and Mark Ingram and They've got the deep threat in Hollywood Brown, who's been a lot better than I thought he would be in the NFL. So, you know, you you pose a really good question there about how hard this team is going to be to defend. Uh, I think that they are going to have to match up corners, especially if Mackenzie Alexander's back. I think they like LaShawn Sims and man against tight ends as well, more than they like their safeties against tight ends. And I I think that LaShawn Sims was exposed a little bit on the perimeter last week. So we'll see if they take anything away from that and make any changes against Baltimore this week. Last question of today's mailbag comes from Nathan Adkins on Twitter at Bedron Lames. Do you think that means he likes or doesn't like LeBron? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. As we record this, the Heat and Lakers are playing in about 90 minutes. I hope the Heat win. Go ahead. There you go. He asks, if Alex Roman builds off his performance against the Jaguars and looks solid the next couple of weeks, do you see a scenario when he slides to left guard if Xavier Suofilo gets back and healthy? I don't. I think he would stay put right at where he is. Right guard, right next to Bobby Hart and, and Trey Hopkins. And I, I honestly, if he plays solid, it's going to be his starting job. And it should be because they need to find some stability uh, for Joe Burrow, for this offensive line. Now that, again, has to do with him playing well, hopefully penalty-free and being physical without being overly physical. Uh, and we'll see if he can do that. He has not done that throughout his career consistently. He has been unreliable. And I think Alex would tell you that. So if he is reliable, then that would be a, a huge step in the right direction. As for Xavier Suofilo, I think he would just kick in and be a backup to, to both sides, right and left guard. If Michael Jordan struggles, you can plug him in at left guard because most of his NFL starts have been at that spot. But obviously the Bengals have, uh, you know, trained him and, and put him in that right guard spot. And that was the plan up until his ankle injury in week one. So that's how I think it'll play out. But there is very much a, a real scenario, I think, where if Alex Redman plays well, he's the starting right guard moving forward. And Xavier Suofilo is on the bench even when he's healthy. Yeah, I think that there's a couple things there, right? One, he has to play better. And, and I actually, mm-hmm. I was impressed with Alex Redman in his post-game press conference. He, he, he said that. He said, for my first game out there, you know, it was, it was a little rough. There's some things to improve. And, you know, he talked about the fact that the market for him after he left Cincinnati wasn't what he expected it to be. And I think he's learned a little bit of humility from, from this experience. And, and maybe not. Maybe he was always a pretty humble guy. I, I could be totally wrong about this. But... He's presenting the fact that, that you know, some, some self-awareness, I think, that, that's really refreshing and that I think a lot of players on this team have. And look, if, if they get some stability on the right side, they're not going to break that up. 
just because Xavier Sufiel is healthy. If if they get something going between Redmond and 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 Hart over there, they're gonna keep running that out there until it doesn't work. At least at least that would be my belief. We always try to stay objective here on the Locked On Bengals podcast, and we always try to stay positive. I know a lot of you think that I'm the negative one and whatever, but but I really do hope that these guys figure it out and, and play well and, and make improvements, and nobody would like more than me to see the Bengals put a great offensive line in front of, in front of Joe Burrow out there. Because, you know, you look at some of these teams around the NFL that are actually performing on the offensive line, and would you believe it? Their offenses are actually working. Man, what a dream. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with a crossover episode with Kevin from Lockdown Ravens. Talk a little bit about that matchup as we totally shift gears and start looking forward to next Sunday. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.